Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Therapy Chat Podcast, Episode 326. This is the Therapy Chat Podcast with Laura Reagan, LCSWC. The information shared in this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health professional. And now, here's your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. Today's episode is sponsored by Trauma Therapist Network. Trauma Therapist Network is a platform for finding a trauma therapist, learning about trauma, and understanding about how trauma shows up in our lives and what the healing process can look like. Go to www.traumatherapistnetwork.com to learn more. This week's episode is sponsored by Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now, for all you prescribers out there... Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan. Today, I'm speaking with someone I have known for years, my friend and colleague, Charlene McPherson, LCSWC. Self-proclaimed nerd and licensed psychotherapist, Charlene McPherson, uses nerd culture to create a safe and fun environment to explore the therapy process. She's also a mother, wife, Lutheran podcaster, and owner of Nerd Adventure Therapy 2.0. Charlene's been playing role-playing games for 15 years and game mastering for three years. She's been in the mental health field as a licensed certified social worker clinical for 12 years. Charlene offers therapeutically applied role-playing game social skills therapy groups for adults 25 and up, as part of her therapy services in Linthicum, Maryland. She's a certified therapeutic game master in the Game to Grow method of TTRPG therapy, and she's also in the process of completing certification with Geek Therapeutics. And she has a podcast called Mental Health Quest, which is about demystifying and destigmatizing therapy. I really wanted to talk to Charlene about her work with using therapeutic role-playing games with adults. You know, I think game therapies with kids are, you know, we're familiar with play therapy and and now there are more ways that people are doing therapeutic gaming that involves video games. 
with kids, but Charlene was one of the first people I heard of who was doing therapeutic role-playing game groups with adults. So I thought this was pretty cool and I wanted to bring it here, but our conversation really kind of turned into a little more than that. It turned into a discussion about embracing neurodiversity as a superpower, how when we show up as our authentic selves in our therapy work, clients feel safer to be their authentic selves and to bring that forth. When we're trying so hard to hold back who we really are and create some professional persona that's not really true to ourselves, clients feel less comfortable being their true selves. So I've watched Charlene grow and evolve over the years that I've known her. And I think what she's doing is amazing, which is why I invited her to be my guest. So I hope you'll enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Let's dive right into my conversation with Charlene McPherson. Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. I'm your host, Laura Reagan, and today I'm so happy to be speaking with my friend and colleague, Charlene McPherson, LCSWC, who is a certified therapeutic game master. Yeah. And so, Charlene, thanks for being my guest on Therapy Chat today. I'm so excited to be here. This is so exciting. (laughs) It's a long way from Catholic Charities, but end it. (laughs) So, yeah, Charlene and I used to work together. I started, I will never forget. And this really like is how I think of you, Charlene. Oh, goodness. (laughs) 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 So when I started my first day of my clinical internship, so my final internship of grad school, I was so nervous coming into my agency job at Catholic Charities outpatient clinic. And meeting my supervisor. She's showing me around and I'm like so nervous and hoping I'm going to measure up and, you know, will, will I be accepted and will I be a good therapist and all of this. And suddenly Charlene walks by (laughs) wearing like a Harry Potter costume. And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) I think it must've been, it was like Harry Potter day, I guess. Yeah. Must've been. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> that's different. You know, like I was, I'm all like trying to be so perfect and professional. And I see you walk by like that. And I was like, oh, but that's what I love about you is how playful you are and how yourself you are. And, and that's how you've always been. So when you told me that you were becoming a certified therapeutic game master, I was mm-hmm. like, uh-huh. Let's talk about this on therapy chat. So I'm glad that you were able to come and spend this time with me. Me too. And, uh, to be honest, that could have been just a regular day as well. Um, <laughs> we but, just call that Monday. <laughs> it's Monday in my world. <laughs> I know. And that's what's so cool about you. You really embrace who you are and you're not, you're kind of unapologetically yourself. And, you know, I, I'm inspired by that. So It feels like what you're doing now is just exactly like the perfect, you know, uh, culmination of you, like bringing yourself to your 
your practice. So before you even go into telling us about what you're doing now, let's just start off by you telling our audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do. So I'm an LCSWC, so that's a licensed clinical social worker. I've been in the field for, I think it's 12 years now, something like that. If you count my time at the residence, which is where I started in Catholic Charities working as a drug care worker. And I've always done individual therapy. I thought I was going to do individual therapy with real young ones, but then I figured out that that just wasn't my spot. And so I started working with teens and older teens in college. And now I'm working with older teens and adults. And I'm really, really having a lot of fun doing that, you know, working on the normal stuff, anxiety, depression, ADHD, you know, trauma, all that, all those things. But I needed to spice things up a bit <laughs> to kind of uh, distinguish myself. So when I uh, interviewed with my college job that I, I still have right now, I said in my interview, straight up looked at my boss and <laughs> my coworker and was like, I want to run Dungeons and Dragons therapeutic groups. And they were like, okay. <laughs> now, granted, you're at an... Uh... You're at a college that's also very unusual and different too. I don't know if you want to say anything about what their their thing is. Yeah, St. John's College is, I always say liberal arts. They don't have majors and things like that. They study all, each year, everybody studies the same thing. So they're studying Socrates. They're studying, you know, apparently they're reading Freud now in some of their classes, but it's to the point where they're like learning Greek so that they can learn, they can read the Bible in Greek. So it's very much a classics type of, of place. I even joke too, like they have discussions about what a number means, like how to define a number. <laughs> I'm like, it's a super I philosophical. Yes, very philosophical. Place. I'm like two plus two is two. I argue this for. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. I can't even do math. But they're great. They're great students. They're very, very smart. A lot of existential crises in therapy more than than out in the the community, just because they are thinking so much, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But yeah, they are, they're great, great students. Did you find that the therapeutic Dungeons and Dragons games were something that the students resonated with? Yeah. And that's, that's why my, my boss was like, you will fit here like really, really well, because they knew that the, the kids were playing or the students were playing Dungeons and Dragons anyway, and other RPGs and it just kind of fit the aesthetic college, kids of the college. So they were really excited to be like, oh yeah, no, this totally sounds like a thing. The only problem was that was back in the fall of 2019. Mm-hmm. And there was not a lot of resources, no trainings, no, you know, or not readily available or none that I had found yet. So it was a bit of a trial and error. I did find a few resources that I used in my first couple groups. And I'll remember when I finally was like, oh my God, this actually works. (laughs) When I had a client make a realization about their, their personal life, about their, how they can use their faith as a strength and as a support and things like that through the game because they were playing a cleric, which we'll go a little bit more into (laughs) what Dungeons and Dragons is, but a cleric is a holy healer. So they were playing this character that modeled some of these faith aspects and it really, really helped them realize in in a few scenes that they were in, we call them encounters, 
that faith can be something that brings you up, that that builds you up, that helps you gain strength to get through hard things. Whereas up until that point, it, it had kind of been a really judgmental place for this person. So it was like, it was like, as soon as my client was like, oh yeah, I learned today that I could use my, my faith as a, as a, I was like, oh my God, it works, it works, it works. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. And I do want to, I do think it would be helpful if you could tell people a little bit more about Dungeons and Dragons. My experience is mainly from when I was a kid and I had a friend who was into it and I always sort of felt kind of intimidated by it I think maybe because the word dungeons I thought like ooh, scary or something (laughs) you know that's kind of like as far as I went with it and I think it was too abstract for me maybe just you know my friend being a kid too just didn't explain it in a way that I could understand but I would love for you to give us some background about really what is Dungeons and Dragons and and then how it fits into a therapeutic frame. Yeah. So Dungeons and Dragons, you may have, you know, heard of during the satanic panic in the eighties, like, (laughs) oh yeah, that time was, yeah, that's right. Thank you for saying that. You just jogged my memory that there was maybe some talk that it was like a satanic thing, which was confusing as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) If you know the game and actually have played the game, you're like, well, the bad guys are always the like demons and devils. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't make any sense. But anyway, that's beside the point. So Dungeons and Dragons is a role-playing game. So in a role-playing game, you create a character, right? And you play this game, someone runs it called the the Dungeon Master or the Game Master. Dungeon Master is specifically for D&D. Game Master is for all other RPGs because there's other systems out there as well. And I'll talk a little bit about those later. But you create a character and you play that character, right? So it's a mix of acting, improv, war games, mm. you know, kind of all rolled up into one. And the Ren person, Fest. Yeah, yes, yes, Ren Fest, yes. I don't know if that... <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I can guarantee you if the person's dressed up at Ren Fest, more than likely they have a few people around them that play Dungeons and Dragons or some sort of RPG. Because um, that's live action role-playing. Okay. Um, that's going into the world and acting it out. This is just sitting down at the table and playing it out, you know, with, with your team, right? So the person who's running the game actually comes up with the storyline. They come up with the encounters. So you may, you know, the, the joke in Dungeons and Dragons is all parties start off in a tavern. Okay. You meet in a tavern <laughs> and you sit at the table and you introduce each person's character, what they look like. You could play elves, dwarves. If you know anything about Lord of the Rings, the whole system was based off of the Lord of the Rings world. Mm, so okay. there's elves, there's dwarves, there's halflings, you know, all of those things in there, right? There's humans. Okay. And it's in that kind of fantasy world that you set the stage, right? So you're in a tavern, you meet your, what are going to be your teammates or what we call your party. And so the way I run it, it can go, I know some people can run one-on-one games where it's just the dungeon master and one person to critical role that has one game master, dungeon master and eight players, right? I limit mine for obvious reasons, like for therapy types <laughs> reasons, but eight is a lot to play with. Uh, you're going to be waiting for your turn a lot, but 
So what happens is I say, okay, you're in the tavern. All of a sudden, a skeleton pops through the wall and another one and another one and another one. And so you take the character that you built, they have certain skills, right? So you can have a person who's a fighter who just goes up and smashes things, right? That's who I usually play when I'm playing an RPG for the first time because it's, it's like I hit it. <laughs> it's easy. <laughs> and I do damage. To know what to do with your skills. <laughs> right. So I'm like, I hit it again. <laughs> but there's different ones. You could play a magic user. That could be holy magic. That could be druid magic. That could be all sorts of, of types of magic which is a lot of fun, obviously, a lot of escapism kind of in here. Thinking about Harry Potter again, like spells and potions and stuff. Exactly, exactly like that. And so you will actually use what your character's good at to fight the enemy, right? And there is com, and that's what combat is in Dungeons and Dragons. So combat encounter is where you're up against a monster whatever that monster looks like, or it could be another, you know, non-player character. We call them NPCs, like the big bad guy. We have the BBEG, big bad evil guy. Um, that's like, you know, the big bad guy that you're going to fight at the end. You know, the reason behind all the, the stuff that's been happening. So you use your, but the thing is, is you're not doing it alone. You're doing it with your team, right? So you have somebody who might be a range fighter. You have somebody that might be a melee fighter, which is the in the face type of thing. You have magic users, you have healers, you have, so you actually have to work very well as a team to be able to beat these monsters, right? Because if I just go off and run off on my own, I can get hit, lose all my hit points, and then I'm down, right? And in Dungeons and Dragons, you do have the risk of losing your character. Your character can die in Dungeons and Dragons. Now, there are many ways to bring a character back to life in Dungeons and Dragons as well, but it, it's a danger. It's something that you always have in the back of your mind, you know, oh, I don't want to lose my character. I spent so much time making them and, you know, all this stuff. So, and the other type of encounter that you can have is a role-playing encounter. So you're in the tavern and <laughs> you're sitting across from your new partners. You all got hired by some guy that needs you to go kill the orc that's out, you know, in the badlands that's taken all of his crops, whatever. You have band to of mercenaries. Right, exactly. <laughs> a band of mercenaries, exactly. So you actually can ask questions of the person who's giving you the quest. So if you play video games, it's the little like <laughs> exclamation mark above their head and you click on it and it goes, this is what I need you to do. But it's in real time. It's in real life. And you can ask questions. You can interact. You can play your character. I always myself, because I've been playing for a while, I always like using voices for my characters just because it makes it easier for people, especially as the DM, to know who I'm playing, who I'm talking as. So I might go into a nice little accent like that or a British accent or something. And just ask people, well, where are you from? You know, you ask your other teammates, where are they from? What do they do? You know, that type of stuff. So it really is a social game. And so the DM is like the facilitator teaching or facilitating the interaction with 
each player Uh with the other teammates. Okay. Right. And so what will happen is that you say, okay, I want to do this thing. I want to attack that monster. And I say, okay, you can attack that monster. Roll a D20. So there's some, there's a 20 sided dice, believe it or not. (laughs) I don't know if it, you know, how many people have seen 20 sided dice, but you roll a D20 and that tells you that simulates chance in this world. So that tells you whether you succeed at something or you fail, right? Okay. You add your skills to it and things like that, but it definitely simulates chance in that encounter. So you may be the greatest fighter of all time, but if you roll a natural one on a D20 dice, which is from one to 20, that's really bad. (laughs) Your fighting skills are low. Yeah, you're fighting, you will miss. You'll miss the monster. Some DMs actually be like, you miss the monster and you drop your sword. Oh no. You know, I think that rolling a, a natural one is bad enough and devastating enough that I don't need to add anything else to it. <laughs> She's like, oh, you know, you've been- You're a you compassionate plan your, DM. Yeah. <laughs> you plan your turn for so long and then it doesn't hit. You're like, oh. But uh, so that simulates whether you succeed or not, right? And the DM is the one who decides whether it succeeds or not. So sometimes you have a monster will have an armor class. So if you think about the type of armor that they're wearing, if you, if you fail, you hit the armor and not the person, right? Uh, or the monster. If you succeed, you hit the person, not the armor. So you actually cause some damage and things like that. So, so depending on how high your number is. Right. And with role-playing, this is one of my favorite things to do in a session is to do what I call a skill challenge. That's the role-playing side. So your character will be really good. So if they're a a sneaky rogue, like there's somebody who's really like, you know, kind of like a ninja in the, in the, you know, in the shadows, if you wanted to go like, say like pick somebody's pocket or something like that, a rogue is going to be really good at that thing. And so you'll roll the dice, see whether you succeed or not. Right. And it'll be easier for that person to pick someone's pocket than say a giant (laughs) going up behind somebody and trying to pick a pocket. Right. So your, your characters have skills and things that they're good at, things that they're not good at. You can use all of the skills, but again, whether you're good at them or not helps you kind of succeed more or, or less, right? So obviously this kind of mimics life. <laughs> yeah. A lot. <laughs> I, I'm curious, is it, is it all like fighting or are there times where they're just trying to get something like find a, some quest, you know? I know that not all games have quests and some do. Oh, no, there's definitely motivators for people in D&D. That's something that the DM will come up with, right? So, yeah, your quest could be, hey, sorry, I'm going Monty Python. You got to go find the Holy Grail. <laughs> yeah. Right. And you have to go questing around in different dungeons, different castles, talking to different people, like doing those types of things to find your way to the eventual, you know, kind of uh, goal that you're going to. So I'm trying to think the one that I'm running now, the main goal for at least one of my players is to take back their throne because they were deposed. And so their character's motivation is to get that throne back and to rule the, you know, the kingdom or whatever, right? 
So each person is also going to have different motivators as well as the group, right? Which makes for great therapy. <laughs> and to decide between do you do what's best for the group or do you do what's best for your mm. character? <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's also anything. And that's the thing with Dungeons and Dragons, any storyline you can think of, that's a game, right? Any movie that you've watched, any quest, any conflict, any whatever, it's all about it's collective storytelling. So instead of me reading a book and knowing that it has a beginning and an end, I, as the dungeon master, know where the major beats are, or the major arcs, but I have no idea how they're going to get there. It mm. all, that all depends on the players and what they want to do and what they decide. And I have to adapt along with that. So that's the hard part about being yeah. a master. It's like, yes, there are set rules, but your party could be like, no, we don't want to go over there. We want to go over here. And you haven't prepared for that. And you just have to kind of roll with it. Right. Or I know some people who play Dungeons and Dragons like to collect animal companions. <laughs> they get excited when they come across an animal. So instead of fighting the animal, they befriend it and then <laughs> make it their animal companion. Same thing with people that they meet randomly because as the dungeon master, you play all of the other characters, right? So I play the tavern keeper, the guy who's bringing you your drinks. I'm playing the, the monsters that you're fighting. I'm playing all, the big bad guy. I'm playing all of those people, right? So it's, it's definitely a lot of fun, but it is very, very stressful sometimes, especially as a new DM. When I was a new DM, I was like, I have no idea where they're going to go or what they're going to do. Right. Running a group private practice has been a challenging and rewarding experience. And one thing that has made it so much easier is Therapy Notes. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. If you're coming from another EHR, like I did, Therapy Notes makes the transition incredibly easy, importing your demographic data free of charge so you can get going right away. My team has found Therapy Notes very easy to learn. It's intuitive. The customer support is second to none. And that's one of the things that has kept me a Therapy Notes customer for several years now. Anytime I've needed to contact Therapy Notes for help with an issue I couldn't figure out on my own, I've been able to get through to someone and resolve the issue within 15 minutes, 99% of the time. Find out what more than 100,000 mental health professionals already know. Try Therapy Notes for two months absolutely free. Just click on the link in the show notes or enter the promo code chat at therapynotes.com. The therapist has to have a lot of confidence and I would think like flexibility and willingness to be just to make mistakes, you know, mm -hmm. to not like try to control everything that's happening because and, yeah. Lord knows I make them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, but the, the one thing, you know, we talked about how as a certified therapy game master, I actually got that through a nonprofit called Game to Grow. And I'm currently in the program for Geek Therapeutics, the other big company that's kind of training people for the Therapeutic Game Master. I'm just this close to, to finishing that one. They talk I'll put about, links to those on the show notes. Okay, yeah, they're great. Both of them are super awesome. I actually got to do a panel with the Dr. Bean who started Geek Therapeutics, and I got to meet the founders of Game to Grow at, you know, 
at uh, PAX Unplugged last year. I was, there, I was like starstruck. That's so cool. But part of what you have to be able to do, not only as a therapist, and you'll find, you know this, as a therapist, you don't know where your clients are going to go either. You walk into a session and they bring up something that happened that week that you had no idea was going to happen, how it was going to affect them, you know, those type of things. And you just adapt. You just go with it. You have to roll with it, right? Yeah, It's the same thing. It's what we do all day long, every day. Exactly. It's the same thing. Only you're adapting not only to therapeutic goals, but you're adapting to the storyline and you're adapting to the group dynamics. So it's a lot going on at once, Yeah. but the one thing that I've heard through both the trainings from Game to Grow and Geek Therapeutics is that as long as the dungeon master, the game master is having fun along with the players, then it'll be okay. Then it will go well. You have to be willing to play as an adult. And and I, I don't think we mentioned this. I'm not doing this game with you know, five-year-olds. These are (laughs) surprise (laughs) listeners. This is adults. (laughs) This is adults. I don't think we mentioned that. I'm literally the group I have now are right now that signed up last year and they're still with me. They keep signing up, which I'm, you know, that's great. They're in their thirties and they're playing this game to be able to work on some, some social skills and goals that they have that they want to practice in a safe environment, right? Because that's what I'm creating is a safe environment for these people to be like, okay, let me try this persona out. Let me try this, you know, just as an example, like when you're, it's really hard for some people with anxiety to set boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. Healthy boundaries. Well, if you're bad at setting boundaries, make your character good at it. And your character yeah. is going to have to set healthy boundaries throughout the game to say, no, this is what I want versus, you know, what the, the party wants. Or you can make your character not good at boundary setting either, but that's one of their goals that they're working on, you know? And so they have to play that out in the role play in the game. And so you're literally practicing these cognitive behavioral skills in a safe space, in a safe social setting without any really real world consequences, right? Which I always felt was the frustrating thing when as a therapist, right? And Laura, you may, you know, may have come to the same conclusion that it's really, really hard to teach someone social skills one-on-one right? You can teach them. Yes. Like you can help them practice it one-on-one, but a lot of the times the problem isn't one-on-one. It's a group of people, right? And I am not a group of people when I'm an individual therapist. And so it would be really frustrating to try and like get these people to practice those goals or, or tell me what's really going on. And I didn't really know what was going on in the situation or the environment here. I literally run the environment, (laughs) I'm right there. (laughs) Yeah, you're creating it. I'm creating it and I'm watching the interactions. So if somebody comes back to me and says, oh, that person, I I know they hate me because I did X, Y, and Z. And I can literally say, no, I was right there. I heard what you said. I didn't feel that way. And it didn't look like anybody else did either. Maybe that's something that we need to work on anxiety-wise, internally-wise. So I can literally fact check people because I am right there. (laughs) Which is, um, that's an important thing for our listeners to hear too, is that I think you told me that you 
require each group member to also be in individual therapy with you as part of the intervention? Yeah, I highly recommend it. Some people just can't because that's two and a half hours a week. I can understand that. Um, but I highly recommend it because we're just, we're just playing the game. The, so we're practicing the social skills in the game when we're playing the game. The games are 90 minutes long. And in that time, again, as a therapist, I'm looking at group dynamics, I'm looking at goals, I'm looking at all those different kinds of things. So I feel like processing in that amount of time too is just too much at once. So I learned this the hard way, you know, when I started my first group that people weren't getting as much out of it without having that process time and individual therapy with me. Because again, I'm there, I'm seeing what's happening. I can help you kind of, you know, figure out where you want your character to go, how it helps reflect you and things like that. Right. So I, le- I definitely learned that the hard way, the, the first session and the, the client was like, um, do you have room for another individual client? <laughs> to be I was like, yes, actually I do, because that's going to make this program even better. You know, so it definitely is great to be able to just have them practice, have their goals in mind, play a game, have their goals in mind, and then do the processing in individual therapy. Yeah. You know, what's interesting as you're talking about this to me, because I think like this, the characters, it sounds like for D&D, at least, it's kind of like they almost represent like archetypes, you know, and the whole like hero's journey idea, um, mm-hmm. which mirrors so much of the way life is and, mm-hmm. and the challenges that we we come up against in our lives and um, do you want to say yeah. anything about that? Yeah, no, it's it's amazing because anybody who plays D&D and who's really big into D&D in the gaming community can tell you that D&D is therapeutic to play. It's not therapy, but it's therapeutic because you can work through stressors, because you can work through those things. And that's because you're playing as a character, right? Like, no, you can't do magic in real life. However, you're the person who's playing, who built that character and who's playing the character. So inevitably, some of you is going to be in that character. And, you know, with trainings and things like that, they talk about how like, okay, there's a few different types of characters that people tend to play. And you play the character you meet in the moment, right? You play the character that's exactly like you you play the character that's the exact opposite of you. (laughs) You play, you could play a character that is you at your best, right? So your, your ideal self, right? Mm -hmm. Or you could just play a, a plain old chaotic character just to see how things happen, right? But each one of those things has its own value, right? Because you're trying out different things to see what sticks, what doesn't, right? What's comfortable, what's not, what works, what doesn't, right? Yeah. And there's like a way, there's a way that you're like embodying Mm -hmm. what you're, you know, it's sort of like when you're practicing working on boundaries, you're like, you know, you're talking with the therapist and the therapist is saying, just tell the person no or whatever. And you're like, yeah, I'm just going to tell them no. And then when the time comes, you're like, "Uh, uh," and the words can't come out. But when you actually practice it from an embodiment like right you know and it has that yeah experiential yes and it has a game to grow talks about that as an aesthetic distance one one half of the adams who started game to grow is acting a drama therapist 
So oh, I think cool. that comes from, yeah, I think that comes from that because he does a lot of improv stuff and that, that type of thing as well. But that aesthetic dis- distance, me as the, the DM, I can also control that aesthetic distance. If someone's getting too close to their character, so if their character is getting angry because something's happening, I see the person also getting angry, I can say, oh man, your character looks really angry. What are they going to do? And that kind of gives them the, the cue to say, oh yeah, it is my character. Whereas if I'm trying to kind of work with a goal or something like that, and the, the character isn't really into it, but I know that it's a goal for the person, I could be like, oh man, no, you seem like uh, you, that, that, uh, that was hard for you a little bit, or I'll have a, a character respond in a certain way or something like that kind to kind of like egg them on right and it's really really great to see that okay you can help people control that distance between themselves and the character right and again what do we do in everyday life but control our aesthetic distance between our roles between who we are who we're talking to you know all those things right so again it's it's practicing And I've always been like, I love cognitive behavioral therapy. I know it is like a huge umbrella term, you know, and there's lots of things under it, but I definitely have always been more of an applied, pragmatic, okay, what are we going to do next time this thing happens? Let's come up with a plan. Let's, let's practice something. Let's, you know, something tangible, right? Something concrete. Cause you know, it's great to know where things come from and that, yes, that is important. However, you're still living your life. My, my therapy office isn't the real world. So we need to be able to apply it to real world situations, right? And I know I'm talking about <laughs> applying it to a real fantasy world right now. <laughs> that then can be applied to real life, right? Um, you know, working with a boss, working with, you know, teammates, working with uh, people when you have a conflict of interest. All of those things happen in D&D on a constant basis. And I don't even have to build it in. That's just the game as a whole, right? Darlene, (laughs) you should start doing therapists, consultation groups using this too. You should do it for therapists, like some kind of burnout prevention or something. Yeah, I, I, so, okay, I've got lots of plans. Okay, believe it or not. So I know I said I started in 2019, but I just like rebranded my private practice last June to Nerd Adventure Therapy 20. It's an LLC now. That's exciting. And I've got all sorts of plans, but that was like literally 2021. The pandemic was going on still, like all that stuff. So I got plans because I'm like, I've had people consult me and say, hey, look, can you run this for our therapist? We would love that because- We would love them to be able to use it. Or again, like you said, just as a self-care type of of Mm -hmm. situation, if you're a nerd and and there are plenty of us therapists out there that are nerds, there's an entire like Facebook group of them. I didn't know that. I'm part of, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're everywhere. And, you know, using that for self-care for the therapist, you know, I'm open to that. I am just one person right now. <laughs> so I'm running a group. I'm, you know, doing individual. I would love to do, you know, groups of therapists for self-care or to teach them how to use this type of stuff or just introduce them to it. 
but also I would love to do research on this stuff too, because there is, there's no research on adult social groups, like social skills groups. There's no research on socialization, isolation, like all of those things at all for people 20, age 25 and up. Um, at least not that I found. If you all find anything, please send it my way. I'd be, you know, more than happy to read it. But, you know, you have things about adult learning when they go back to like college or something like that. But you have nothing about community, about, you know, isolation, all of these things that are really important. They don't, that just doesn't stop once you graduate college. You need a community. Yeah, you need support, yeah. you know, all those things. So I got all sorts of plans. <laughs> I know. And I'm so excited to see how this is going to grow. And um, so we're nearly out of time and I have mm -hmm. so many questions for you, but one question, I guess, as a sort of a wrap up is what would you say to people who think that this is just, that this isn't real therapy, it's just play it's, or it's just playing Dungeons and Dragons? Right. And, and that is a very legitimate question to ask, right? Because like I just said, there's not a lot of research right now. However, research is being done. It's like, uh, I imagine it, okay, I might be putting myself too much up on the pedestal, but I imagine it's like when Albert Ellis and all the original CBT therapists were like, this works, you know, you have to do research, you have to do it to find out whether it works or not. And so that's a big part of what I want to do, right, is, is contribute to the validity and the reliability that this is actually something that helps, right? And we already know that play therapy helps. Play therapy helps kids, and we accept that because they're kids. But when then you try and go apply you know, play therapy to adults, that kind of stigma comes in, right? Like you're an adult, get over it, stop being a kid, like, you know, all those things. And it's one thing that I can tell you when I was 10 years old, I remember the moment promising myself that I would never, ever be an old grumpy person. <laughs> I was always going to play. I was always going to be engaged, uh, you know, and having fun because it's just, that's how you get through the day to day. That's what life um, is. That's exactly. the joy of life. And that's how you learn. Like uh, we're yeah. social beings. That's how we learn. We can't learn in a vacuum. Even when you're 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, I'm talking like I will run games for 70 year olds. If there's people out there that really, really want to play, like I'll do it because there's so many applications even, and it's just everybody sitting down at the table and playing a game together that happens very rarely nowadays especially with the pandemic going on right mm. so it's really really important especially you know one other point I know we're getting to the end here one other point is, is you know I myself was late diagnosed ADHD right at 35 mm. right so I'm a mother a wife <laughs> of my own house I have my own business you know all these things. And I got diagnosed with ADHD. There are no social skills groups. No, there may be some therapy groups out there, but not many, not many for my age. Right. And so it's yeah. like, there are a lot of people who are getting late diagnoses right now, and they have no resources except for individual therapy, if they have good insurance or have the money to pay out of pocket. So it's like, yeah, I really want to hone in on that, that lack of services. Yeah, I hear you. And the what's ahead 
or what's beginning to grow is very hopeful, I think, in terms of, you know, it's, I think it's kind of like the neurodiversity movement is taking away the idea of, you know, people being different and trying to make them be the same, but instead embracing the diversity of ways that brains can work and (laughs) and (laughs) match up. That's one way you could describe me, Laura. (laughs) It's different, right? Complete nerdly, you said, like, I am myself unapologetically. Like, this is me. I've got blue hair. I'm 35 years, you know, I'm going to be 36 in June. But, you know, there are people out there like me that that just want to be themselves, right? Who are ADHD, you know, on the autism spectrum, neurodiverse, you know, things like that. And we have superpowers, you know, along with the, these things and we can use them. And that's part of what D&D does as well is give you an opportunity to use your superpower. When you have ADHD and you're the most creative in the room, you can think out of the box. You're the one who's going to be keeping the game really interesting because you're going to be jumping off walls and fighting monsters and doing all sorts of stuff. And in the normal world, you'll get chastised for that. In D&D, you're the best player. Exactly. Exactly. So well, and, yeah, if I were playing a game like that, I'd much rather have someone like you leading the game than someone like me, because I'd be like, uh, um, yeah. uh, you know, like, what's like, and I don't want to be in a box, but, you know, it's it, the way you are. And the way you live your life is so exuberant and so playful. And that translates perfectly, which is, again, just to come full circle, exactly why both personally and professionally, I support so much what you're doing and why I wanted to have you talk about it on Therapy Chat, because I just love seeing it's like you embodying who you are Mm -hmm. as a therapist, instead of saying, I have to hide who I am. Right. So I can be, quote, professional and be a therapist, you know, again, going back to you wearing the Harry Potter outfit, you know, it's like, I know that, you know, we both know that there were some raised eyebrows Oh yeah, in our agency, but (laughs) kids loved it. Exactly. I'm working with kids. So like, you know, I'm going to connect with them on that level. And that's, that's the fun part about this nerd adventure therapy stuff is like someone who reads your profile and goes, oh, that person's like super unapologetically nerdy and the complete nerd. Like I'm going to get along with them. You automatically (laughs) have that connection and the way neurodiverse people tend to like really magnets to each other. Like Mm. um, when it comes to those type of things, if that's your specific brand of nerddom, like it's an automatic connection. Like, oh, have you played this? Have you played that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Love it. And it makes it easy, that rapport, right? That's something that therapists are always trying to create that trust and that rapport in the first part of a professional relationship with your therapist is, you know, that rapport, getting to, you know, trust that therapist, trust their reactions, trust what they're going to say is not going to be something, you know, that's going to judge you or whatever. Like I get that halfway done before you even walk into my office because you know, (laughs) you know who I am right off the page. I love it. So Charlene, I know this isn't the only thing you do, but where can people find you in your practice? Okay. So you can find me everywhere. I'm all over the place. I'm at <laughs> Matt 20 therapy on Facebook and Twitter. 
I am currently building my website, so I don't know if it might, it might be out by the time this releases at nat20therapy.com, you know, okay. pretty easy to remember. I am also on TikTok as True Form Unseen. Oh. Um, <laughs> the Lord of the Rings reference. Go <laughs> um, <laughs> figure. Um, She's also and, the world's biggest queen fan. Uh, oh my God, <laughs> I love that. I actually have Freddie Mercury pops in my office. So they, <laughs> I need all of them. I only have two and there's like four of them. But yes, I love queen. It's, they're amazing. And then you can find me. I have a physical practice as well, you know, here uh, in Lincoln, Maryland. You can find me all over the place. Oh, also. And you I have, have a podcast. podcast. Yes, thank you. <laughs> You're like, get to the podcast. <laughs> Don't forget. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have a podcast called Mental Health Quest. And I have a, a co-host, Benjamin Tights. He's amazing. We actually go through like how to access care, what you're looking for, questions to ask your new therapist. Right now we're in um, a diagnosis kind of series where we're talking about what does it actually look like? Not, you know, this this therapist mumbo jumbo, like we're going to talk about what it actually looks like, what it feels like, what clients have told us it feels like, those type of things. So that maybe it can help somebody kind of identify if something is going on, right? And then we're bringing- Demystifying therapy, that's important. Correct, correct. And we are bringing in experts on those diagnoses. And then we're going to do another series on the actual therapies themselves, bringing in experts for, for those as well. So we've got a lot planned. I think we're on episode six or seven right now. We've released six or seven episodes and I'm very excited to get it going and keep it going just to get that information out there. Again, I, I'm not the therapist that's going to have the suit on. I'm going to be the one that tells you exactly how it is and how, how to get best care you can. Like, you know, I'm going to be honest with you and I'm going to tell you where to go, how to go and look out for X, Y, and Z. You know, because I think that's important. Again, like you said, demystifying and destigmatizing mental health care. And also, that's the same thing with my D&D games. Like, how else better to destigmatize exactly <laughs> mental health care than to play a game, right? Uh, to have people play a game together. So, uh, you know, hopefully it's a good access point. Well, Charlene, I'm so glad that you were able to be my guest on Therapy Chat today. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me. This was, I've been looking forward to this, like, since I scheduled it, like, three months ago. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you to Therapy Notes for sponsoring this week's episode. I do love Therapy Notes. It's such an asset to my business and makes my job as a practice owner and a therapist much easier. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. Use coupon code CHAT or click the link in the show notes to get two free months at therapynotes.com. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information please visit therapychatpodcast.com. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of 5 stars on Trustpilot and has a 5-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, 
Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code CHAT at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to traumatherapistnetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today.